This morning we are finishing up our month-long look at Pentecost. That during the month of June we have looked at Acts chapter 2, which records the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the disciples of Jesus after Jesus ascended into heaven. And so far we have seen the power of Pentecost through the Spirit's permanent indwelling presence among God's people. We have also seen the purpose of Pentecost in the proclamation of Jesus Christ with conviction and compassion. And today we are considering the promise of Pentecost, that Peter points to God's promise of salvation, and it is that promise that is the focus of our study today in verses 37 through 41. And so this is what we find after Peter has spoken, that the Holy Spirit has fallen on them, they have spoken in tongues, they kind of got quiet, Peter preached, and this is what happened after. So Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 41. Let's hear the Word of God this morning. Now when they heard this, They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children And for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for speaking to us through your word. We thank you, O Lord, for preserving your word by the power of your spirit. And we thank you that you have passed this word down to us, pure and undefiled. And that you, O God, still speak through your word. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work through the proclamation of your word today as we hear you speak through your word. I pray, O Lord, that you would use me in spite of myself and in spite of my sins to faithfully proclaim your word in all its truth. And I pray that you would give us all ears to hear your call through your word today. That you would open our hearts and minds to receive what you have to say to us. And that you would move us to respond as we are called to respond to your word today. We ask that you would do all of this for your glory, O God, that the name of Jesus might be proclaimed in all the earth. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. What we see here is that Peter's message that was empowered by the Spirit really struck a chord with the people who heard him. That the Bible tells us that the people were cut to the heart by what they had heard. They had understood what Peter had said about Jesus. And they were persuaded that Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah. 
They were convicted that they had wrongly rejected God's Son, and they could see clearly that we have sinned and we have sinned greatly. What we see is the Holy Spirit working through the preached Word of God to shine light in a place of darkness. And we see the people naturally ask the follow-up question, brothers, what shall we do? They realized that they had done more than simply make a mistake. Like when, you know, you eat the leftovers that your wife had set aside in the fridge for later and you weren't supposed to. That's a mistake. They had done more than a mistake. They had rejected the Son of God who had come to earth to save them. Peter told them that twice in his message. He says, this Jesus whom you crucified. These Jewish men and women knew how God had judged his people in the past for rejecting his word. How much more would this generation be punished by God for rejecting the Messiah? And so they cried out to Peter and the disciples, what can we do? We have done wrong. What hope is there for us? And we notice right away that Peter does not say tough luck. The wrath of God is coming in all of its fire for you. He's not vindictive. Not at all. He offers them hope. He says there is something you can do. There is a way to be saved from your sin because that's why Jesus came. To save his people from their sins. Even if that sin is rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. And so Peter lays out three steps that they could do three steps that make up a right response to the good news of Jesus. So step one is that very first word that he speaks in response. It is repent. Step one is repent. The crowd in Jerusalem was cut to their heart, but the sorrow in their heart needs to move from feeling to action. Because you can be cut to the heart about your sin And not repent. You can sense your own despair and still do nothing. So Peter calls on his hearers to repent, which means to turn away from sin. It is an about face, a 180. It is turning completely in the other direction. It is a heartfelt shift from seeking sin to denying our own sin. That when we respond to the gospel, we must turn from our sin and towards Jesus. This is essentially the entire message of the Old Testament prophets. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, all of them. They cried out for God's people to return to Him. It is a turning away from sin towards God. Now, does that mean that repenting means that we will never again sin? No. We still continue to sin. But we struggle against that sin. We recognize that sin is wrong and we strive to avoid it. We want to put it to death in our lives. And so repentance flows from a heart that hates sin into our will that no longer wants to choose sin out into our actions where we seek Jesus instead of sinning. And so Peter says, step one, I want you to repent. And then he says, second step, 
be baptized in the name of Jesus. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And so it is not just we turn away from sin, but we are turning to Jesus as the one who can forgive our sins through his sacrificial death. We acknowledge that we can do nothing about our sins other than bring them to Jesus who can clean them up. That we need Jesus to cleanse us. We need him to wipe away our record of wrong. And that is symbolized in baptism, where we let someone else wash us with water in the name of Jesus, trusting that Jesus alone can save us from our sins. Now, nowhere in the Bible does it teach that these kinds of rituals like baptism save all on their own. Rather, what is signified in those rituals is what saves. And so believers in Jesus should be baptized as a sign that we belong to Jesus. That God is marking us out as his own children. And it is our way of saying publicly in front of others that I need Jesus to make me clean. I need Jesus because I am a sinner and he is the only one who can help me. And so that's step two. We are to repent. We are to be baptized. But if that's all we had, we'd be in trouble. Because as much as we'd want to try to be better, we don't have that kind of strength. Thankfully, the third step in responding to the gospel is receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. And thankfully, that's not a step that we really do. It's a step that God does. That He pours out His Spirit onto His people and into His people to empower us for godly living. And so the Spirit works to expose in us our own sinfulness. He gives us the ability to see through the lens of Scripture how sinful we are. And then he brings us back to the word to assure us that, yes, we can be forgiven by God. We are loved by God, though we have sinned against him because of Jesus. And the spirit works in us to renew our wills so that we want to obey God and go in the good way that he has given to us. And so these three steps of responding to the gospel make up the whole package. They involve an inward change of heart in repentance. They involve an outward profession of faith in Jesus Christ through baptism. And they involve the power of God to renew us as his obedient children through the Holy Spirit. That's what we need as sinners. That's what we need. We know there is a problem and it is so deep inside of us that we can't fix us. And so we need a solution outside of ourselves. And God says, here it is. What shall you do? Repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit. And so Peter gives this hope. Here is how you respond when convicted by the gospel. But it makes you want to ask, how can we be sure how do we know that this is going to work? How do we know that we've responded correctly? Like, Peter, I'm glad you gave us these steps, but how can I be sure that it's going to actually end up working? Well, Peter tells us. He says, the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. The key word there is promise. 
that we should repent and be baptized and we will receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the promise is for us and for our children and all who are far off. The reason we have hope is because God has made a promise to save. The Lord has promised that if you want to receive salvation in Jesus Christ, here is how you do it. I promise this works. Trust my promise. And that is really good news because if God didn't give us a promise and he gave us something else, that would be way worse. See, God gave us a promise, but he could have given us a program to follow. You see, it is a three-step response, it seems, but God doesn't say, here is a giant list of rituals and services. Follow this program. Do all of these things and you will be saved. Oh man, I've got to do all of this stuff. I have to travel to this place. I have to say these prayers. I have to bow down in this way and wear these clothes. I have to do all of this program here. We would be worried the entire time. Did we do it right? Did I mess up step seven? Did I mess up paragraph B4? Like, what, what do I need to do in this giant program that God has given me to do? And he says, no, I have not given you a program in order to be saved. I have given you a promise to trust. Trust in my promise. He gave us a promise. He did not give us a pattern to conform to. It is not like at VBS this week when the craft station is going to make the perfect craft that the adult has made and say, kids, make this. This is what you must make. That he did not send Jesus as the craft that he made and said, be like this. And if you do it well enough, you will be saved. Because then we would be fearful that, oh no, like mine's outside the lines over here. And I didn't cut those things evenly. And my pattern does not fit his pattern. It's close. Like you can kind of see what you were going for, but it doesn't work. God does not give us a pattern to follow to be saved. He gives us a promise to trust. Trust in Jesus. He gives us this promise and he does not give us a possibility. He could have just given us a possibility that God could have said, Believe in me and I'll save some of you. It would have been like buying one of those Wonka bars and hoping to get the golden ticket of salvation. That believe in me and maybe it's going to work out. You might be one of the ones that gets to make it. Sign up. Take a number. Maybe you will get to join me and be saved. Salvation is possible. Not guaranteed, but possible. But God doesn't say that. God says, I promise, if you repent and trust in Christ, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will be saved. I promise you that. God promises that all who come to Jesus will never be cast out. He promises these things to us, and God keeps every single one of his promises. And Peter is assuring this crowd of people who literally rejected Jesus and clamored for his crucifixion, that even you, God has promised to save. Repent and trust that promise. And he says, this is not just for all of you grown-ups here. This promise is for you and for your children. Now that does not mean that our belief saves our children. 
that would be really nice if we could believe in Jesus and automatically our kids were just saved like that. Rather, this promise extends to little children. We don't have to wait for kids to grow up and make a real decision about Jesus. We are told to bring this promise to them now, wherever they are, in a way they can understand, to tell them that they are sinners and they need to know Jesus. And so we are encouraged. Take this promise to your children, to your grandchildren, to the children in your community, to the VBS children, and let them know this promise is for them. In fact, this promise is for all people, for all who are far off. Echoing the words of our New Testament reading from Ephesians 2, those who are near and those who are far off. See, this promise wasn't just for the Jewish people gathered in Jerusalem. It was for all people. That anyone who trusts in Jesus will be saved. That includes people from remote tribal villages in the South Pacific, as well as in major cities in China. It includes people who are currently Muslims and Hindus. It includes people who are currently atheists and hate religion. It includes people who are convicted murderers or corrupt politicians. It includes people who grew up in the church or who have not yet been to church. That all who repent and believe in Jesus are promised that their sins are forgiven and that they are saved. And so Peter is just shouting out in this first sermon this urgent gospel call that all people need to put their trust in Jesus. And perhaps a lot of you have been to church services before. Even perhaps big old church services where there's big gospel calls. And you can understand how this kind of thing works when it happens. That the large crowd is listening to Peter's message about Jesus being risen from the dead. And they feel cut to the heart that they're responsible for rejecting Jesus, that they are sinners. And so they wonder, what should we do about this? And then Peter tells them, here is what you should do about it. They hear him. and They're like, eh, no thanks. Meh. Uninterested. But, but pastor, verse 41 says like this was really good. Yes, it was an overwhelming success. 3,000 people heard Peter and repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus and were baptized. That is amazing. Gladly, sign me up for that. That sounds wonderful. The followers of Jesus grew from 120 to over 3,000 in a day. That is an undeniable success. But the crowd in Jerusalem at Pentecost was bigger than 3,000. Much bigger, in fact. See, historical estimates of how many people would have been in Jerusalem for a feast like Pentecost, the the estimates range from like 60,000 people to 200,000 people. Let's be conservative and say that there were 60,000 people in and around Jerusalem that day. 60,000 people who either could hear Peter speak or who heard what Peter said later that day. That means 3,000 out of 60,000, math, 5%. 
That means only 5% of the people who heard believed. That leaves a lot of people who continued to reject Jesus. To reject the gospel message. Yes, successful. 5% is great. But it's still only 5%. And it helps put in perspective verse 40. Where Peter cries out, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Again, you can imagine the group dynamics going on as people are listening to Peter. That many people are cut to the hearts, but not all of them respond through repentance and believing in Jesus. And those who wanted to respond might have looked around and gone, I don't see anybody else repenting. I don't see anyone else wanting to go talk to Peter and say, I I do want to believe in Jesus. Is that the right thing or the wrong? These people don't seem to think it's the right thing. Should I go or should I not? What will they think of me if I go forward? What will they think of me if, if I start following this Jesus guy like them now? We see the same kind of thing in our world today when the gospel is preached. That repenting of our sin and trusting in Jesus means standing out from the world. It means taking a different path than what others are walking in the world around us. And the world will tell you, you're crazy. You've gone off course. But Peter assures us that it is the world that is crooked, not Christianity. And the warning contained within Peter's message is that all those who do not trust in Jesus will receive the wrath of God for their sins. That everyone is a sinner, young and old, near and far. And everyone is called to trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation is for all those who come to Him. And so Peter pleads with the crowd, save yourselves by realizing that only Jesus can save you. In our world today, you may feel like you are going against the flow. You may feel like everything is going this way and you are this crooked little branch out here doing something totally different. You are not alone. Because though it was only 5%, 3,000 is a pretty good number. God began on that Pentecost day to form and to grow this new covenant community in the church. A group of people who knew they were sinners and were repenting of it. Who trusted in Christ and who were filled with the Holy Spirit. They trusted that promise. And some of those people had probably been following Jesus for years before he was crucified. Others of those people might have been the very people shouting, crucify him. But on Pentecost, it didn't matter because they were all brought together into the one family of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is still doing that today. God is still calling people into his church today. He still speaks through his word and the gospel is still preached just as Peter preached it nearly 2000 years ago, that God sends forth his call Have you heard it? Have you heard that the promise is for you? For your children? For all those who are far off? 
everyone whom the Lord our God calls to Himself. If the Spirit is cutting your heart today, then respond by repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus as the only one who can forgive your sins and know that you will receive the Holy Spirit to empower you to live for Jesus. Save yourselves by trusting in the Savior whom God has sent. Let us pray. Oh God, we pray that your call would go answered. That you, O Holy Spirit, would work in our hearts to get us to not just sense our sin, but to repent of our sin. To look to Jesus in faith, in saving faith. Work in us by the power of your Spirit, O God, that your call would be effective in our lives. And as we go and tell the good news to others, we pray, O Spirit, that you would work through us humble messengers like Peter to go and share this good news and that others might hear and repent and believe and so join your people. God, we know you are still doing that because you have promised to continue doing that. So work in our local church here and in all your churches throughout the world that more and more people might call on the name of Jesus and be saved. In his name we pray. Amen.